Hello and welcome to this Herbert Smith Freehills podcast. I'm Emily Barry and I'm a professional support consultant in the finance team in London. And today I'm joined by Gary Hommel, a finance partner, and Nick Turner, a real estate partner, both also in London, to talk about the development of sustainable and green lending in the real estate finance sector. I think one of the reasons that sustainability linked loans as opposed to green loans have been so popular across all sectors is their flexibility. Key performance indicators, which are often linked to the existing ESG strategy of the borrower, are used to set sustainability performance targets. And there's an incremental pricing benefit for meeting those SPTs. And apologies, one of the particular features of this market seems to be the abundance of acronyms. Gary, are you seeing these sustainability linked loans being used right across the real estate finance market? Yes, we are seeing sustainability linked loans in the in the real estate sector. Before we get into that, I think it's important to be clear about what we're, what we're talking about. There's several themes going on in the real estate finance market. We're seeing sustainability linked loans, which essentially means that the pricing, the margin of the loans varies depending on KPIs relating to the efficiency, carbon footprint, or or other green criteria, depending on the performance, that the margin may vary. So that, that's one type of loan that we're seeing, which people would commonly refer to as sustainability-linked loans. We're also seeing people talking about green loans, by which they sometimes mean sustainability-linked loans, but also what they mean by green loans is the financing of a building which meets certain green criteria that might be financing the acquisition of the building or refinancing the building or it might be the development of a building which meets certain green criteria and we're seeing lenders increasingly keen on in being involved in this sort of finance and importantly labeling the loans that they're doing as meeting the uh, as meeting green criteria there's a lot of confusion in the market both as to what we mean by green finance and sustainability linked finance and part of this i think is driven off the fact that there is no standardization every lender has its own criteria and its own meaning as to what we're talking about and that, that is a reason why there's a lot of diversity in the market as to what the criteria are. I think going forwards, what we'll see is lending lenders being increasingly keen to be involved in green finance and to be seen to be involved in green finance. And that so that you may well see lenders being willing to finance assets at cheaper pricing than otherwise would have been the case, or even being keener to finance certain assets which they might not have been as keen to finance if it, those assets meet certain green criteria. And we're also hearing that there's talk of banks having their capital adequacy imp, uh, treatment of loans impacted depending on the on, on how green the underlying assets are. So in other words, government really encouraging banks uh, to, to, to get involved in green finance because it's 
impact in the capital adequacy and therefore the capital adequacy, adequacy requirements and therefore the cost to the banks of making the loans. And if you see the regulator getting involved in that respect, what I think we'll see is a lot more standardization and clarity as to what we're talking about and what the criteria are, because that will become necessary in order to fit within any, any future regulatory framework. And green loans, where loans or tranches are used for a specific green purpose, as you've just described, Gary, have been slightly slower to develop. Um, and that's despite the publication of guidance by the loan market trade bodies for the use of green loans in real estate finance specifically. One of the difficulties which is often discussed in relation to green loans and actually sustainability linked loans as well, is the lack of standardisation of reporting on compliance with the SPTs, which can make it difficult to measure compliance objectively and comparably. But buildings have a multiplicity of standards and certifications, both at the design and development stage and while they're in use. So Nick, can you talk about what you're seeing in terms of defining green buildings in the UK? Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, I think it, we need to slightly return back to, to Gary's point that he made earlier that if we're talking about green loans, particularly in the real estate finance space, we're really looking at the, the eligibility criteria under an individual lender's um, green loan principles or their green framework. Um, so whilst um, there is a definition of a green building, and we could take the, the World Green Building Council's definition, for instance, um, and I'll read it out in a second, but it's an extremely wide definition. And as of itself, it doesn't really assist us in terms of what, what are the criteria and how are we going to measure performance under a, under a green loan? So, you know, the definition of a green building is a building um, that in its design, construction or operation reduces or eliminates negative impacts and can create positive impacts on our climate and our natural environment. Well, that's all very good, but really the devil is in the detail and in the specific project that a lender is looking at as to whether um, uh, targets are being met in that regard. So if we look at the purposes for which green loans um, are being made in the real estate sector, we're really talking about the following scenarios. We're talking about the acquisition or the refinance of a green building or a portfolio of green buildings. We're looking at the development finance of a green building. But lastly, we potentially could be talking about the finance of capital expenditure for improving energy efficiency and or contributing to climate change mitigation purposes. And I think that last one is, is really key for the market. Um, I mean, if we take the Paris Agreement's 2050 net zero target, um, research is telling us that 80% of the buildings that will exist in 2050 already exist in 2021. And we already know that the built environment is accounting for between 30 and 40% of carbon emissions. So if green finance in the real estate sector is actually to have a real impact, a large amount of it is going to have to be directed at retrofitting, etc. So We've got an environment where loans are being directed towards different purposes and therefore the, the KPIs or the measurements or the, 
the accreditation that's being attached to the loans will very much depend on what the specific loan is is being directed towards. Um, so with that in mind, what are we seeing? Well, as Gary has already clearly made the point, there is very little consistency in the market at present. That's largely a product of it being a nascent market. It's new, it's evolving, um, but it's also really the need to focus on the specifics of the loan and, and the lender's lending criteria. And as, as we've already explored, because those can be different, you get a wide a wide range of um, a wide range of KPIs, etc., being used. I mean, if we do look specifically at the purposes or focus on 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 what the green loans are being put towards, generally speaking, um, it's going to be directed. The KPIs are going to be directed more at the purpose of the loan than the borrower itself. Um, that's not to say that there may not be borrower accreditations, which are relevant um, accreditations such as the GRESB ratings um, or science based targets initiative. Um, both of those are, are, are ratings that attach to companies and you'll see the likes of British land with a five star rating kind of protecting that position and putting a lot of emphasis on on that rating. But really, we're looking probably more specifically at the purpose of, of of the project. So on a on a development or a new building, there are a number of accreditations, external organizations accreditations that are being targeted and being used as as a measure of performance. Um, some examples, EPCs are well known, but Briam, LEED um, are also leading accreditations and clearly work on a ratings basis so it's not a pass fail you need to actually be looking at the the level of rating whether it's platinum or excellent etc that's being targeted you'll also have local variations so in the german market you have dgnb in france you'll have hqe ratings um, but in terms of those ratings there are there are issues that both borrowers and lenders need to be aware of. So for instance, EPCs, um, it's well known that EPCs effectively look at the theoretical performance of a building based on its design intent rather than its actual performance. So an EPC isn't really measuring the actual performance of a building, which could, could be an issue if it's, if it's not really being used in the way it was designed. I think another example that's quite interesting is, is the NABAS UK Design for Performance. Um, this is a, a, a new model. It's um, coming out of Australia, but it's now being used in the UK. There's a pioneer project at One Broadgate in the city of London where it's being used. And this model provides a framework against which a developer can design and test its plans to ensure it achieves its energy efficiency targets. But importantly, it can also be used to verify the performance once in use and therefore provides a whole life cycle, a whole building life cycle model, um, which is which is quite attractive. Other purposes clearly in the in the refurb or the fit out space that we've already discussed is going to be key. There are specific BRIAM lead RICS models that can be used as external um, measures of performance in there. And then lastly, the in-use category or the operational category, which might be relevant to an investment loan on green buildings. 
Here again, you've got Briam in use ratings, and we've already seen NABAS UK extends to that. You may also have more local schemes. So for instance, the GLA runs a Be Seen Energy Monitoring Guidance Scheme um, that could be used. I think the last bit I just want to touch on in relation to the in-use or the operational efficiency of buildings are green leases. Lenders could well be targeting um, compliance or levels of, of green leases within the occupational um, lettings at a building. Green leases have now been around for a while. I think it is fair to say that historically green leases have not been particularly robust, um, but I am quite hopeful that there'll be a movement towards more robust leases with more binding terms, more specificity involved. So for instance, in recent deals we've been involved in, green leases are now getting down to the level of um, landlords targeting PPAs um, in terms of future energy purchasing. Um, and potentially in the future, we could also see things such as a, a, an allocation of responsibility for purchasing offsets in leases to effectively create net zero carbon buildings. Um, I think lastly, um, a, an important point that will come in and be relevant to the to the lending market in, in this space is the EU and the UK green taxonomies. So these are not yet in place. Um, my understanding is that there's some politics playing out, um, particularly around about the treatment of natural gas um, within the taxonomies. But the fact, the fact is the purpose of these taxonomies is really going to be to provide a detailed classification tool for sustainable economic activities. In effect, it will be a green list um, and that will then work through detailed technical screening criteria which can be applied in specific situations. Um, and the overall aim really is to give more certainty and avoid the um, greenwashing in this space effectively, that we have more consistent certainty across the market as to what, what is acceptable. Um, clearly with Brexit, the UK is now starting, I think it's just recently started work on the, on the UK green taxonomy. This is expected largely to follow the EU um, taxonomy, but it is some way behind in terms of its development at the moment. Thanks, Nick. And Gary, in that context, do you see banks requiring third party reporting on either the setting or the meeting of the sustainability performance targets? Yeah, I, I as I said, it, it's early days, but what we are seeing is lend in, in the context of uh, so-called green loans, we are seeing lenders requiring that any relevant reports which have been commissioned by borrowers are shared with the lenders. And also we are seeing lenders give themselves the contractual ability to require reports to be commissioned for their benefit about the buildings that they are funding. There's an overarching theme impacting all of this and Nick talked about greenwashing and there's a tension between doing something meaningful and avoiding greenwashing, but also who pays for the doing of the meaningful things. And in this context, in the context of reporting, what we're seeing at the moment is lenders wanting reporting, 
but borrowers not being prepared to pay for the reporting which is commissioned on behalf of lenders. And um, that, that is just an example of the tension between the sentiment of everyone wanting to do something green and on the other hand, the question of who pays for it. I think what we'll see going forward in the market is that lenders' appetite to do green finance and important, perhaps even more importantly, to be seen to be involved in green finance will increase. And I think what we'll see is increasing pricing benefits for so-called green loans and possibly for loans being financed, which might not have been so easily bankable if there wasn't a green angle. And as a quid pro quo for that, I suspect that reporting requirements will increase and especially if borrowers are getting increasing um, margin pricing reduction for meeting KPIs or being able to finance transactions which they otherwise wouldn't have been able to finance as a quid pro quo, I suspect we'll see increased reporting which borrowers will have to agree to pay for in order to get the finance away. Thank you both very much. It's such an interesting topic that's really at the start of its development, as Nick said, so there'll definitely be more to say on this. We've published a more detailed briefing, which is available on the ESG-specific hub on our website. And of course, we'll be happy to discuss any of these issues with you in more detail. So please do get in touch if you'd like to do so.